About two years ago, a friend who's a former parishioner of mine over at St. Paul's called me to tell me that his wife was in labor, and this was quite a shock because she was about eight weeks premature, and they were having twins, and so he was very concerned. We prayed, and thanks be to God, the children were delivered safely, and a couple hours later, they were in the neonatal intensive care, and they were being taken care of, and they were stable, but they knew that they were going to be in the, the NICU for quite some time. And so as the dust settled a little bit, I texted him, and I was like, hey, I don't want to be a doomsayer here, but because of where your kids are, it's so important, critically important, to be safe and to get them baptized as quickly as possible. And he and I had talked a while before about me coming down to visit them in Florida in the late spring or early summer to baptize the twins. Well, all of that had changed, but he asked me, he said, Father, would you be able to come down and baptize the babies? And here's how God's providence works sometimes. This was Friday. That coming Wednesday, I actually had already planned a trip to Florida just for the day to visit a benefactor of St. Paul's. And that trip had gotten canceled earlier that day. But I still had the, hadn't canceled the flight, hadn't canceled the rental car. And so I was able to fly down, stay on the flight, same rental car, drive up, baptize those two babies in the NICU. And I mean, when I left the hospital, I might as well have flown out of there. So good was God to me and to those children that day. Just the parents and one of their older sons and, and me and those two babies. And it was just so powerful and so beautiful. It wasn't like the dove descending, the heavens cracking open, but it was a moment like that. Now, for most of us, our baptism is not a moment that is known in the annals of history, that doesn't go down because we're baptized as an infant. And perhaps even if you were baptized later in life, and praise be to God for that, it may not be that moment that everything changed specifically for you, where you recognized that change. But as disciples of Jesus, as Christians, we believe that baptism is the most important moment of our life. That while, again, the eyes don't open, in that moment, we too, like Jesus in the Jordan, become the beloved son, beloved daughter of God the Father. That he smiles upon us. He cleanses us from sin. He unites himself fully to us the indelible mark on our soul. From that moment and for all eternity, we are His. And as a result, our lives should be different. We should recognize in every moment of our life the opportunity to live as beloved sons and daughters of God, to follow His will, to build up His kingdom. In the response oriole psalm we heard today, the Lord will bless his people with peace. This is what the life of the baptized should be. A life in the church should be one of peace. And yet when we look to our world, we right now don't see a world of peace. On the traditional feast of the Epiphany, we saw the capital of our country being stormed by protesters. This is a sad day for all of us, regardless of our politics. This should shock us. It should ask us all to do an examination of conscience. And in my own examination, I've, to be totally honest, I've felt in some way, shape, or form somewhat responsible. Not that I incited anyone to do a protest or anything like that. But at the same time, I recognize in my own heart the division that sin causes. And also my concern or my fear 
and allowing those fears to dictate how I proclaim the truth or how I act as a priest. Because those divisions that mark our society sadly also mark our church. That there are times when I think to myself, if I say anything that could even be conceived as remotely ideological or political, it's going to cause rancor or division. It's going to cause me an undue amount of pain. It's going to hurt perhaps even the church because of how insidious those things are in our culture and in our church. For instance, in the last few months alone, I have been called a Nazi because I've asked people to wear masks at Mass. I have been called a heretic, not because of anything I've actually said, but because someone's like, oh, you're a Dominican at St. Paul's? These are the things that just invade our local community. Within our church, we also see how people reject clear church teaching and act as if that's a good thing. Or they sow division within the church and undermine our priests and bishops for their own gain. Brothers and sisters, this is wicked and evil. This is not what the Lord desires for his church or for you or for me. He desires to unite into his one body, the mystical body of Christ, each of us. Does that mean it's always going to be easy, that there's not going to be tension and division? No, because such is the common lot of sinners, that we're going to find God's will often through conflict and division that is then united in our search for the fullness of truth and love in Christ Jesus and in his church. But to be the agents of division, an ideological or political invasion of not only the country or the world, but also our church, needs to stop. And we need to recognize in our own lives that each and every one of us, I and you, we are responsible for that change. Though not all of us are called to be like the great saints of the church who have led huge counter-reformations and reforms within the church, although maybe one of us is, we are all called to root out the evil and pollution of sin in our own life. This is why this beautiful, mysterious feast of the baptism of the Lord is so important for us. It marks the end of the Christmas season, the beginning of Jesus' mission. And at the beginning of his mission, what does Jesus do? Like when he comes into the world, God made flesh, he comes into the world in silence. He comes into the world in obscurity. He who is, who unites himself to our brokenness, to our humanity, is constantly showing us, through his self-abasement, the way forward. And when he decides and chooses to start his public ministry, what does he do? He gets down in the water of the Jordan and lets his servant baptize him. So that for him and for us, the waters of baptism are opened and made powerful. So for each of us, in our following of Jesus and in renewing and restoring and rebuilding the world and the church, we need to start with that self-accusation, that humility that drives us to our knees, that drives us to the confessional, that helps us to constantly challenge ourselves to be better, to love more, to not be taken up by the idols of this world. And we start with honesty and humility. Because this is the model that Jesus shows for us. And we follow him because he is God. We follow him because he has come into this world and revealed that path for us.
But here's the beautiful part, brothers and sisters. When we humble ourselves and become small before the Lord, we also then share in his mission, which starts today. This is that great feast where Jesus goes out into his public ministry from the obscurity of Nazareth, 30 years in silence and in obedience. Now he goes forward to proclaim with passion, with joy, the building up and the good news of the kingdom of God. And so too for us. The remedy is not just for us to be meek and mild, to be obscure, to be, but to use and to be renewed by Jesus. And to allow that to consume us. And then to set the world on fire in God's love. In your home, at your work, in all of your relationships, to evangelize, to share the good news. To be the change in the world. To be that sign of love. That disciple, that missionary, that radical disciple of Jesus Christ. For all of us, that's going to look a little differently. Obviously, I'm a priest and a religious, so that's going to look differently for me than it is for those of you who have jobs and families. But we are all called to be an evangelizer, to change the world, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. To recognize in our own life That the mission of Jesus leads from the waters of the Jordan to the wood of the cross to the joy of the empty tomb. And to follow him regardless of the cost. To allow this moment, and this is the beauty of our baptismal faith, is that because we are baptized, every moment of our life is pregnant with possibility. We have an infinite capacity for the good and for love. And no matter where we've been or what we've done, We can turn in this moment or any moment to the Lord and be renewed and restored and sent forward to change the world. This is the power of baptism that happens in time, often obscurely. We don't remember it because we were three or four weeks old. But then it changes everything for us so that we can be renewed and restored. So that we can be the change that the church and the world so desperately need. So that we can be another Christ for others, especially those in our life. The scriptures tell us that during the rebellion of heaven, when Satan and all of the evil evil angels rebelled against God, that St. Michael, the the lowest of the angels, the archangels are like the second lowest level of angels, cried out, I will serve. We don't need to be great and mighty in order to serve God. But serve we must. I will serve. I will serve by making myself low, by going to confession regularly and praying every day and serving those who are most in need and most vulnerable. I will serve by allowing that to magnify the good news of Jesus, to magnify every relationship that I have. However you are called, respond with confidence and conviction because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are his beloved son, his beloved daughter. Cry out with confidence because you are his. I will serve.